0: Thanks Pastor Chase. Camp is great. You know, I, I had a thought on the no man left behind thing. I had a flashback back in 92. Yeah, back when I was a youth pastor in Boise. Uh, we had a youth event. It was called uh, Skate Night in the Assemblies of God. All the youth got together once a month and went skating at the roller drum. Does anybody remember that at all? Pastor Chase was in diapers. He does not remember that. Um, and, uh, and so we, my wife and I had the, the church van, 15 passengers van. We took 15 of us to, to Nampa from Boise, did the skate night. We're driving back. And all of a sudden, one of my youth kids go, hey, my friend's not here. He brought a, a first-time youth kid. And I was driving down I-84. This is before cell phones. I was like, dude, don't mess with me. He goes, no, really, Bobby's not here. And I was like, you're not messing with me? He goes, no, he's not here. I was like, I counted 15. And we have 15 now. What happened? We had an extra student get in the van. So when I did the head count, I left a man behind. Um, and so we turn around, drive all the way back to the roller drum And the kid's sitting there in the arcade. And I was like, dude, what happened? He's like, I missed the man. And, and I said, no, hop in. He goes, no, I already called my mom. His mom lived in East Boise. Yeah. And so I never saw him again at youth. So that was my sad story. I tried to call his mom, like, landline, apologize, and uh, I never did see him again. So I wish I would have went to the men's event um, as a youth pastor because that probably wouldn't have happened. But sometimes you have good intentions and bad things take place, right? It's just part of life. So I want to, again, say thank you so much for being here. My only regret, I think every Sunday is not being able to shake each of your hand. Um, You know I'm a a people person, at least when you're here. When you're not here, I like to be by myself. Does anybody like that? Like have a switch, like an introvert, extrovert thing? Uh, and uh, again, I just want to say thank you so much for being here, especially if you're here for the first time. Uh, we're a little bit crazy here, but we all love Jesus and we're doing our best uh, to be real. And so I want to address something before we get going here. Um, here's an opportunity okay, for you as a parent or a grandparent to teach your kids a Bible story. All right, The month of June, you're going to see a lot of rainbow flags in our, ca- in our country. I want you to ask your kids, your grandkids, what does that mean? And if they give you the world's definition to say, no, this is actually a Bible story of God's promise to us. God keeps his promises. So when your kid sees anything that says rainbow or has a rainbow, they need to know that God keeps his promises. Amen? Uh, what did God promise? When Noah, you know, we're going through this on our Wednesday night Bible study. When the flood happened, God gave uh, Noah a rainbow as a sign that I will never destroy the earth with a flood again. Next time, I'm going to burn it. Um, but, but you can leave that part out when you talk to your kids, all right? But some of us ask, how, can, how do we address this whole rainbow flag thing? Just say it's, it's a biblical thing, but God keeps his promises. And it's an opportunity to tell your kids a story about the flood and about Noah, and that Noah's obedience is what saved him. Amen? So just use that. Again, it's just something that we'll see. Uh, so use it as an opportunity. Um, instead of being offended by it, just give them the true definition of what the rainbow really means. Right. Amen? Sermon before the sermon. All right, well, this is, we're in a, against a series called Faithful. It's what God wants us to be. We're in the book of Joshua chapter three. Pastor Stevie did a phenomenal job last week of talking about Rahab and, and the spies and how she basically saved her and her family when the walls of Jericho uh, came down. And um, it, yeah, that's what we talked about because I, I gave him the prostitute sermon. <laughs> because I didn't want to talk about it. And he did a great job. So we're, we're going just a little bit before the story where, where they had, you know, again, Rahab had protected the spies. They're about ready to cross in and Jericho's about to fall. So that's the setting. If, if you're not familiar with church, if you're new to Christianity and you didn't grow up um, in Sunday school, here's the, the, the back story. So the Israelites were held in captivity in Egypt for 430 years. Uh, Moses was called to lead them out of captivity. It was, it was terrible slavery, which it always is. All right, slavery is a terrible thing. And, and Moses was called to lead the Israelites out to the promised land, uh, to a new land. So he led them out. They crossed the Red Sea, which God opened up. It should have been a three or four day journey to this new land they were supposed to get, but when they got to the border, they sent twelve spies in, and uh, ten spies came back out and, and said, "We can't do this. There's giants. It's too scary. The land is great, but we can't do this." Two of the spies, Caleb and Joshua, said, "We can totally do this. We should take it." Unfortunately, the Israelites listened to the crowd, and because they listened to the crowd, they were wand- they wandered for forty years in the desert. Okay, they they missed out on God's promises. Why? Because of their doubt and their unbelief. Let me tell you something, guys. The crowd is not always right. right. right? The crowd is not always right. So, so put faith over fear. And so 40 years have gone by. God says, this whole generation is going to die in the desert. But the next generation is the one that will take the promised land and will go into the land of Canaan. So that's where they are. The 40 years are over. Uh, This new generation is ready to go in. They send in a couple spies and the two spies, they come back and they're like, we can totally do this. And there's giants, but we can totally do this. Uh, And I had this little thought here. Maybe 12 was too many opinions. (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe Joshua, you know, Moses sent 12 and he got all these different opinions. I'm going to send two because at least you have a 50, 50 chance, right? So my, my point there is, is don't seek too many opinions when it comes to what God wants you to do. Seek wisdom, seek counsel, but don't seek too much. All right. Because too much will give you a, a lot of different things. Of course, you've already prayed. I didn't have to tell you about that. You pray and then you seek advice. So why send out spies, Okay, if God has given it, God has given it, right? Well, to a point, the promise still has to be possessed. Again, they've spent 40 years wandering, and it wasn't because they were lost, it was because they were rebellious. And anytime you rebel against God's word, you will wander. You will wander, and then you will wonder why life is hard. Okay, when you get things right with God spiritually, you'll see things take place physically that are miracles. But before I get into this, I want to tell you about a story that I caused uh, some, some problems at a, teen, or a, a children's camp that I was at. Um, anybody been a counselor at kids' camp or teen camp? Like growing up, you, they call them counselors back in the old days. Now it's, I guess, illegal to call them a counselor. But uh, I guess you have to have a degree. Our world is so weird, right? A counselor is just giving advice, right? So I, I had my cabin, and I had my boys, and I was always the clean cabin, DJ, I was always the clean cabin. You see, I took my vacuum cleaner because there was a competition every day. And most of you, if you know me, you see my motocross bikes I work on. Everything's just detailed. And so I would take vacuum cleaner. I would take Clorox. I would take, I mean, everything to clean the entire cabin. They would do dust tests, like on the rafters, and mine would be clean. Because when you won the clean cabin, you got special privileges. And I was all about special privileges. Um, And so we would do our best, and everything would be spotless and clean. Um, I ran a pretty tight ship. But... We went on this camp, and this is up in McCall. And this, this camp act activity was a hike. Well, because I grew up in the mountains, they were like, Stan, you should lead 150 kids on this, this mountain hike. And so I was like, Yeah, not a problem, because you know, I grew up in the woods, and not about problem. And I said, Okay, where are we going? Well, we, we'll take you up this big hill on the bus, and then you go to last, uh, I think it's called Last Chance Campground. That's where you'll end up. I was like, Cool. So, show me on the map, they show me, the map. okay, well, you walk down this trail, the first real trail you hit, make a left, and you'll end up at the campground, so me, I get my staff, and my Ten Commandments, and I'm walking, you know, <laughs> leading these children, and we're walking through, we're doing the nature thing, and I'm leading, and, and, and I get to the trail, it goes left, and so I'm like, okay, this is where we're supposed to go, we hang a left, and we're walking, and walking, and walking, and... Walking and walking, the kids are grumbling and complaining like the Israelites, and and they're like, "Are we lost?" I was like, "No, we're not lost. We took the first left. That's how we we're supposed to go." And and then we ran into some forest service workers, and I'm like, "Hey, where's where's last chance campground?" They're like, "It's like five miles that way." I was like. We're lost. <laughs> oh, we're lost. So we made this big old loop, and we came back down to the highway. I mean, we're all, all these kids, and I take off running, and I run about two miles, and finally this guy picks me up, takes me up to where the buses are waiting, and they're like, yeah, we were wondering where you were. And I was known from that point on by all these children as the guy who got us lost, right? I was like, I was just following directions. Well, what they didn't know was they cut a new trail in before the left that we were supposed to take and nobody knew about it. So just because you're following directions and things don't turn out right doesn't mean you followed the wrong directions, okay? It was just doing what I was told. On the other hand, be careful what directions you follow, okay? Know what the word of God says about stuff and just follow those directions. There is no updated version of the Bible, there is no, hey, we took a few things out, added a few things. No, the word of God is the word of God. We've got to stick to it, amen? Be careful when people try to add to or take away. So I was known for years after that uh, because I was a kids, the games director for a lot of years after that. Is, you're the one that got us lost. That's what they remember me by. It's like, thanks, you're the one that got us lost. So the title, I'll tell you in just a moment. Let's read verses one through five in chapter three of Joshua. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, which if you're not familiar, it was, it was a box. It was overlaid in gold. had a couple like angel things on top called cherubim. Um, and, and that was like God's box. Like It was holy. Like don't touch it. And these priests had poles that went through these rings on each side. And that's how they were to carry it. So these priests were carrying it. And well, he says, when you see them going with the Ark of the Covenant... Okay, follow it. Um, go ahead. Okay, who are Levites carrying You are to move out from your positions and follow it. Verse four, then you will know, listen, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. The title of my message is, I've never been here before. I've never been here before. You, you've ever been to a place, or maybe you are right now where you've never been, you don't know how to navigate it. I had never been on that trail that they said, oh, it's easy. Anytime somebody says it's easy, like, or you can't miss it. <laughs> I always you. oh, you can't miss it. No, I, I've missed it plenty of times. Okay. And I thought the, the, title, the, the title would be pretty fitting is I've never been here before. And that's where some of you are today. And I'll tell you this, following God's will still requires a plan. It still requires a plan. I have a question I want to ask you first of all. How many of y'all moved um, to Idaho from a different state? Just lift your hand up. Notice how I worded that from a different state. All right. I just wanted a different state because you call from here. How many of you feel that God wanted you to move to Idaho? All right. Good. So we've got kind of a promised land thing going on. Uh, did anybody pray this prayer? If God wants me in Idaho, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to be in Idaho in a new house with a new car in the driveway. Everything's going to be cool. No, not one person. What happened? You might have felt the prompting. Like God says, hey, I want you to move. Here's where I want you. And it not a lot of details, but what did you have to do? to move. You had to pack. You had to get rid of a bunch of stuff that you should have got rid of years before, right? You had to put it in a U-Haul that was way overpriced, depending on where you came from. Um, and, and you had to actually physically move. You had to do something. Okay. The promise was given, the order was given, but you had to do something. And that's where the Israelites are today because just because it's a gift doesn't mean it's free. There's a lot of things that we got to pursue. There's a lot of things that we have to possess. And a lot of times we want God to do everything for us. And what God really is asking us to do is you take one step and I'll take care of the rest. And we'll see that with him. So, all right, the people here, as, as the spies went and they come back and they give this report, they're like, man, the people are freaked out. Like, we're, we're camped, we're across the Jordan River, and they're scared. Man, we went to Jericho. They're all kind of freaked out that we're here. And, and we're going to do this, man. We're going to go for it. We're going to inhabit this land. Now, I want you to, to think a moment about the stories, all right, that the Jericho, and, and Pastor Stevie talked about it last week, the stories that had spread for 40 years about God opening the Red Sea, about God, you know, giving the manna, and giving the quail, doing just these miracles in the desert. They knew, okay, that the God was with the Israelites, so they're, they're kind of scared about this. So here's the setting. It's spring. It's around March. The snows of Mount Hermon, who are way upstream from the Jordan, are melting. The river is at flood stage. Okay? It's during the harvest. Um, and in the, it can be a quarter mile to a half a mile wide in some areas. And in non-flood stage, low level, it can be 15 feet. Okay? The Jordan, I was listening to a pastor who's been in the Jordan. He was explaining like, how wide it can be and how narrow it can be. And I, I'm here to tell you that God's timing is always perfect because if it was summertime and there was no hardly any water, going through 15 feet of distance across the river isn't nothing. Right? God's timing in your life is really important. It's important that God brought them to this place at flood stage okay? because if there was no obstacle, there would be no room for a miracle. Amen. And some of today, you're, you today are facing obstacles. You're facing something. You've never been here before. But God is just setting you up for a miracle. That's what he's doing. Your job is to continue to be faithful. So you can make a decision, but the decision has to be acted on. Okay? The decision is we're going to cross the Jordan, but you actually got to do something. You ever know somebody who's full of dreams, but not a whole lot of action? Like they always have these ideas of what they're going to do, but they never really do anything. And by the time they're like 80 years old, they're still talking about you know, how they're going to make it big with their little idea. Well, what have you done? Well, nothing, but I've thought, all right, dreaming is okay. is okay. Acting is better. Right? When you have a dream, you act on it. But well, here's what God's about to do. God is going to prove to the enemy and to the Israelites that he's still in control. Okay? He's, he's going to do something that's going to prove that he's still in control. And God is, still is in control of this world, guys. It might look bleak, okay, but, it's, but God is still in control. It's all playing out the way that God said it would. So this is the crossing between the Sea of Galilee. If, you know, uh, if you've ever looked at a map of Israel, there's a Sea of Galilee, which we read a lot of Bible stories about that. It's up here, and then down below is called the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is where the Jordan River ends up, but the Dead Sea has no outlet. The Dead Sea is 1,410 feet below sea level. It's the lowest place on earth um, that's, that's not underwater. So that's, that's the elevation of the Dead Sea. Okay, the Sea of Galilee is teeming with life. Why? Because water flows in and water flows out. The Dead Sea has nothing in it because it's just salty. Nothing could live in that. What's the story the story of our life is this, that God wants us to be a Sea of Galilee that we get in and we're supposed to give out. If we're like the Dead Sea, we just hold in and we will not produce any life. God wants us to be like a Sea of Galilee okay, to, to make a difference in this world. All right? We'll see the city of Adam. There's, there's only one mention of the city of Adam. At 16 and 19 miles north of where they're about to cross. And again, it's the only mention in the Bible. I want to go back to chapter 2, verse 24, to get the mindset of these young, young two spies who went in. And then they said to Joshua, they went in, they reported, they came back, and they said this. The Lord has surely given this whole land into our hands. All the people there are melting in fear because of us. They're melting in fear. We're going to take this land, and I know, and I know, and I know that we can do it. So why, why are these two spies, why do they have this mindset? Well, number one, they weren't okay with what was anymore. You wander for 40 years in the desert. You wander and you hear the stories about what the land produces. But for 40 years, they are following their parents who were disobedient. Their parents who would rather listen to 10 spies who had a negative thought than the two spies who didn't. And they've heard the stories of, of, yeah, we just didn't want to do it with our giants. It was scary. So we're wandering. And this younger generation, they're like, no, we don't want to wander anymore. We're sick of what is. I'm not okay with just what is anymore. We want the promise. We want to taste what the food you talk about. We want to know what that tastes like because all we get is manna and quail. How many different recipes were there for manna? Right? But manna bread, that's not original. Okay? There's a singer that talks about all the different types of manna man it probably would be okay for a while but for 40 years that's all they got to do they weren't okay with what was anymore so this new generation was ready for a change and they were ready to, for a challenge alright see there will never be a ch- I'm sorry there will often be a challenge when it comes to change it's often challenging alright let's talk about poopy diapers for a moment because that's the safe word I can say in church right I can't say fecal matter because that sounds bad alright let's just talk about poopy diapers Do you ever have a kid who's in a poopy diaper, but they don't want you to change them, and they kind of freak out? Anybody have a kid like that? Like, you go to change them, and they're like, no, because some people would rather be caught up in their poop and okay with it than get changed. They're okay with the smell, and I know some kids, they have a stinky diaper. They don't smell it on themselves anymore. I have some parents, that either I'm wondering, either they can't smell it or they're ignoring it. You ever smelled somebody else's kid? They smell worse than yours most of the time, right? It's like, whoa. All right. Some people are just okay with sitting in a messy diaper in life because it's tolerable. It's like, you know, I know it's tolerable. It's not too bad. Well, eventually we know that if you don't take care of a diaper, it can leave a rash. Okay? It, can, it can cause problems. But some people just seem to be okay with what is instead of pursuing what can be. Don't be content to stay in the same situation when you can change it. When things aren't going good, do what you can to change it. You have to be fed up with what is to take possession of what can be. You have to be fed up with it. You have to get to a point to go, you know what? I I don't have to live this way anymore. I need to do something to get out of it. Here's what bothers me is that people complain about what is, but they won't do anything to change it. A lot of people just talk about it, but they won't do anything to actually change it. Why? Because change comes with a challenge. And here's the challenge here. All right, I want you to think about something just for a moment. Pastor Chase, is he here again? I'm not going to kick the AC on again. I am toasty. I'm not even going to ask your opinion. I'm hot, that, therefore it means it's hot in this house. Anybody cold? No. Huh. Somebody in the back. My daughter. <laughs> Too bad, sweetheart. Put some clothes on. Um, she got close. <laughs> she had her. I gotta tell you on her. She came yesterday. She had her fluffy winter pajamas on when she stepped by the house the other day. I'm like, what are you doing? You look like a polar bear. I mean, she's just like all bundled. And then she realized it's hot. All right. So my daughter, I love my daughter. She's so much fun. Right. She's good. All right. So, but I'm, I'm warm up here, and it's not that my preaching's great. It's just hot. <laughs> Amen. All right. Let's keep going. What are you facing right now that you'd rather not be facing? I ask you this question a lot, and I think that's, I think that's why you come to church. We come to church so that there is change, and again, that's why I put it up there. We leave change so we can live change, but what is it right now that you're facing that you'd rather not face? What is it, maybe the Jordan River, that's it's a, it's a barrier between maybe what you want and where you're at? The important thing is to know that what you want is what God wants for you because you can chase the wrong things. But what is the barrier that is keeping you from taking what it is that God wants? And I want, I want you to, to get a grasp. And I never really thought about, that, or about this thing until this week. When I was thinking about what, what was different with this generation. What was different with a generation who says, like, we can totally do this. Our gener- you know, their parents, they died in the desert. And that was what God said. When you rebelled, you will now die in the desert. And your next generation, your children, will be the ones to inherit the land. What happened? What was different? So I'm going to speculate a little bit. I'm going to speculate for 40 years. What do you do in the desert when you're camping for 40 years? What do you do when you're camping around a campfire? Those of you who camp, you're on a fire. What what do you do normally? What do you tell? You tell stories, right? You tell stories. And I'm thinking you got 40 years of wandering in the desert, 40 years of camping out. And then you have Joshua and you have Caleb, the two guys who went into the land originally 40 years prior and talked about just the, the grapes and the, the plants and the amazing things. They called it the land flowing with milk and honey. Man, it's amazing. And then you have the ten spies who saw the giants. And they just talked about the negative stuff. And I think the kids were listening to mom and dad's stories of just the, def- the defeat and the doubt. And that's why we're wandering. Because you, you know you were scared. So that's why we've been wandering. And I, I have the suspicion that people begin to gather at Caleb and Joshua's campfire. Why? Because they would tell stories of faith. They would tell stories of what was and that, man, we could have had it. We could have possessed it. And, and, and Joshua was telling the story about the grapes, and little Ishmael says, that's probably a bad name for that because Ishmael's not great in the Bible. But, but he's like, Joshua, what were the, how big were the grapes? They're huge, they're giant. One bite would fill a grown man's stomach. And Ishmael's, what about? Some of you got that. First service was a little slow, too. It's the Lord of the Rings quote. All right. It's my attempt at being relevant. All right. And and pomegranate is the size of pumpkins. And the little boys and the little girls are like, man, that's what's in that land. They're like, yeah, we could have had it, but your mom and dad, go ask your mom and dad why we're not there. (laughs) Probably a few little jabs. Okay. But I believe that Caleb and Joshua, because why not? Human nature is human nature. I think they told the stories. This is what we could have had. And this is where we're going, boys. This is where we're going. I don't know when we're going to get there, but, but that land is still there. Those grapes are still there. Those pomegranates, they're still there. That river is still there. Man, the, the, the size of the banana is unbelievable. Whatever fruit that was there. And I think they started building the faith of this young generation. So when the time came, this young generation understood that disobedience kept us wandering. Obedience will get us what God has promised. I'm going to choose obedience. I'm going to choose the the stories that Caleb and Joshua are telling because they're stories of faith. They're stories that challenge us, that there's something ahead. And it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a fight. But it's something that we can possess. The giants. Caleb, tell us about the giants. Oh, man, the giants ain't nothing, just a bigger target, (laughs) easier to hit. I think that's what they were doing. They were pumping faith into their kids. And then they ended with, and we could have had it. We were this close they were this close. For you Dodger fans, before last year, that's how you felt for years. We were this close. This close. Okay. Again, shout out for the Dodger fans. Come on, Donnie. You're vocal one-on-one, all right? They got the ring last year. Are you still mad the Giants won the last series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wait until we just wait. We all love baseball. It was great. We could have had it. But Joshua and Caleb, I believe... Right, human nature, don't you see how this could happen in 40 years of campfires? Joshua and Caleb were, were spreading this faith instead of fear. And I think Joshua and Caleb would look at these young men and say, you guys, we're gonna get another shot. We're gonna get another shot. God promised us we are gonna possess it and it's close, it's close. And so these young men, I think, grew up with this man. We're gonna get it, we're gonna get it, we're gonna get it. I love the spies' attitudes. God, has, God made us a promise and we will do our part. We will do our part. And the rewards that go with it, I want you to think about what this generation didn't taste. They didn't know what a grape tasted like. They didn't know what a pomegranate tasted like. They didn't know what the fruit of the promised land tasted like. All they had was quail and all they had was manna and water. You ever tried to explain? Isn't that the dumbest question when somebody asks you, what's that taste like? <laughs> Come on, just be human here with me, right? I'm eating something I was like, what's that taste like? I'm like, I could explain it to you. I could let you lick it right? Because you, you can't explain taste hardly, right? What's it taste like here? It, maybe it's my wife's way of saying, give me a drink. Okay. Or let me have some of that. But what does that taste like? I, I've asked the question too. What's that taste? It's, a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a dumb question because I don't want to really know what your opinion of what something tastes like. I want to know for myself what it tastes like. Well, for 40 years, these young people have getting the opinions of what something tastes like and now they're about ready to taste it. I think that's why they're fired up to go in. And I think God's like, this generation is going to do it. This generation is going to take this lamb and they're ready. I think, again, they were spreading faith instead of fear. But I also believe that Joshua and Caleb spread the truth about life in Egypt. See, what you may not know is Joshua was 40 to 45 years old when he was a slave in Egypt. He saw his parents for 40 some years get beat, come home with, with blood on their back from whips of the Egyptians Joshua knew what slavery was, and he knew it was terrible. It was a terrible thing. It was a terrible way to live. So, so he saw Moses lead them out of slavery, and he knew what it was like to be an abused slave. And I'm sure the people, again, who lived in Egypt and listened to the ten spies, they talked about it. But they also probably talked about the food that they had. Because there was a point, as the, as, as the Egyptians, again, were killed in the Red Sea, and, and the Israelites are free, that they begin to say, you know what, we just want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to what was. Just just let us go back. Did you bring us to her to die in the desert? We just want to go back. And, and Moses is like, no, you don't want to go back. You have this way of forgetting the bad stuff. So my challenge to you is don't reminisce about the past. Why is it that the devil is so good of erasing the bad part of the life that you were living that was not for God? Why, how, does, how does the devil be able, able to make you forget <laughs> Monday's hangover? How's they able? You're tracking with me. How does the devil get you to forget on Friday the hangover you had on Monday? Don't look at me like you ain't all been drunk before. I know some of you. All right, I'll bring you. I'll bring up you I'll have you testify. All right, just give me an amen. Let's move on. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? The devil has this way of of making you forget the results of your bad decision. And I'm not just talking about alcohol. I'm talking about pornography, addictions, any type of bad decision. And you're like, why did I do that again? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like we're real at this church, guys. We face temptations and we give in to them. And then we're like, what the heck was I thinking? And God's like, you weren't, right? <laughs> just get forgiveness. That's why y'all had communion today. We're all good, right? Uh, and, and, and the devil has this way of making you or causing you to forget the pain of a bad decision so that you almost go back to the bad decision. When I worked in construction, I remember the, the, the Mondays where the guys would come in just hung over, just sick. And I'm like, bro, oh man, we had this party. and I'm never gonna do that again. Friday, they're like, Friday, party. And I'm going, what about Monday. Don't you remember Monday, how sick you were? No, you were hungover. Of course you don't remember Monday. You don't remember nothing about Monday. You were worthless Monday because you weren't working. And Friday, they're ready to do it again. Monday comes around. They're like, oh. And I'm like, what are you thinking? I remember talking to one buddy. He was like, I spent a whole paycheck on alcohol at a strip club. I was like, I mean, he was a painter. He wasn't making that much. But he still spent a lot of money, right? And I'm like, was it worth it? He's like, no. And I am like, well, why do you keep doing it? kind of stinks to work construction with a preacher, right? Because I'm just going to tell you what's up. Because he, he, he had been serving God at one point, but he was, he was so backslid at this point. Um, I think he's back to serving God again as good. Uh, but, but you don't want to go back to that. And I think that's what Joshua and Caleb were like to this generation is, is you heard the stories of Egypt. You don't want to go back to that. You don't want to go back to that. And I, I think our life's theme should be, I am not going back. I'm not going back to what was. I'm not going to back back to what wasn't working. And here they are at this river. They got across the river. And I added to my notes. I was thinking, God, what, what's the purpose of the river? I mean, it's a definite border. And here's what I felt the Holy Spirit tell me. If you're going to go back, it's going to be intentional. You're not going to wander across the river. You're going to get to the river and go, oh, I have to go through a river to get to what it used to be. And God will make it hard for you, but he'll let you. Because if it was just bare land, you could find yourself like going, oh, I don't, I'm, I'm lost again. No, there's a river. There's a definite place that you have to cross because it's intentional to walk away from God. In verse 5, let's continue here. It's a key thing here. He says this. He says, then Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among us. And, and, and that's a key here. Consecrate yourselves means to dedicate yourself completely. Okay, then the Lord will do, what's the word, then? So if, if you do this, then this will happen. If you consecrate yourselves, okay, then the Lord, you're going to see God do some great things. Okay, you've got to do this first. The Lord will do amazing things for you. Here's what I know. Too many people pursue the gift, but not the gift giver. We pursue what God can give us, but we don't really pursue God. And that's backwards, right? We need to pursue the God of the gifts. And when we pursue God, then the gift will come. But we pursue the gifts way too much. So to consecrate is to get the spiritual side in the right place first. And then you will see amazing things happen. Again, in the desert, God produced water from a rock. Now he is going to take away the water so they can walk on the rock. Don't think you think you you have God figured out how he's supposed to do stuff. God can make water come from a rock, and he can make water disappear so that you can walk on the rock. Sometimes we have this idea that we can just do this, and then God will do this, and this is how it's going to do it. And then it doesn't turn out the way that we thought. I believe that you should plan, but I also believe that you should give it to God. Say, God, do however this needs to look, let it look, all right? In verse 6, okay, he gives orders. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went on ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, now he's dealing with Joshua. He talks to Joshua and says, tell this to the people. Now Joshua, I'm going to deal with you. He said, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel. So they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Now, Joshua had served Moses for 40 years. He was his aide. I mean, he was like, whatever Moses needed done, Joshua was there. Didn't complain, didn't try to seek a promotion, didn't say, hey, someday I'm going to be in charge of this whole thing. Matter of fact, I think Joshua was like, Moses, I'm good with you being the leaders because they're a bunch of whiners and complainers. Like like this team, they're constantly whining. I really don't want to lead this team. I want to lead the next generation because there are men and women full of faith. And Joshua did not have to promote himself. Who, 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 who did the promotion? It was God. God said, I'm going to promote you. Okay? So here's what I believe. I believe that as a human, your work ethic will set you up for a promotion. That's right. That you, work, you put the work in first. You put the faithfulness first. You put in the honesty first. You be valuable to whoever you work for. And when the promotion is time to come up, you put in for it and then you let God take care of the rest. But you do not have to self-promote. Now, in our world, nobody self-promotes through social media or TikTok or anything like that. There's no self-promotion going on in our world. But, but what is it with self-promotion in humans? We have this desire to promote ourselves and that's not what God is gonna do here. God is going to let Joshua's past speak for his future. And God will do the same for you. You just do what's right. You just do us right. You ever seen somebody who, who's, we'll just say overweight, and they make a goal to lose weight? They don't have to tell you they're losing weight, do they? No. I saw somebody this morning, I hadn't seen in a while, I was like, man, you've thinned out. And he just, no, I just have a baggy shirt. I said, like, no, you've been working on something. You've been working on it in private. And when you work on it in private, the results will become public. Right. Amen. We've got, to, we've got to take care of that thing spiritually and physically in our lives. But, but self-promotion isn't necessary when, when God is going to do it. And I love that. God says, Joshua, I've seen your past. I'm going to promote you. I'm going to promote you. So again, put in for it. Let God take care of it. Here's what I know. You're just the extension cord. You're not the power. You're not the power. You're just the extension cord. You're just an extension. And when you're plugged into God's power, extension the power goes through you, but the power isn't you. The power is God. And a lot of people you know, act like an extension cord. It's like, hey, look at me. Well, as soon as God says, hey, you know, you're promoting yourself, all he has to do is unplug the power and the power goes away. I'm just the extension cord. I'm not the power. And here he says in verse 8, okay, he's going to give him, he says, tell the priests, okay, who to carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, okay, so I want you guys to carry this thing. As soon as you reach the edge of the waters, go and stand in the river. That kind of sounds crazy. Like, just go stand in the river. And then Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. There's times as a leader, you have to say, listen up. Like, listen to me. As a parent, as a grandparent, as a, as a boss, you have to say, hey, no, hey, listen. There's times as a pastor, I'll have to say that. I'll be talking, I'll say, guys, listen to me. Why? Because what I'm about to tell you will change your life. What, what I'm about to tell you, if you will apply this, will change your life. And he gets everybody together. He's, he's relaying this message Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. They're not my words. I didn't make this up. God told me to tell you this. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. And that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, who were giants, and the Jebusites. Okay, This is how God's going to prove himself to you. See the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, he keeps emphasizing that, as soon as they set foot in the Jordan, the water flowing downstream okay, will be cut off and it will stand up in a heap. So he's telling you, when, as, soon as, the, as soon as they touch their foot in the water, the water is going to stop flowing upstream. 16 to 19 miles in this little city of Adam is only, again, it's the only mention in the Bible. That's where the wall of water began to stand up. The water stopped. I think angels were holding it back. If you can picture Lucky Peak without a dam, but the water staying still. Okay, so if you're driving up that road and you see something like that happen, my advice to you, pastoral friend advice, is to keep driving and stay above because you know where the water is going to come down. And so there's this wall of water that's going to stand up 16 to 18 miles away, but the water where they're at is going to dry up. And he's saying, that's how you will know that God is with you. I can imagine everybody at Jericho just watching and go, whoa, they're moving, they're moving. What does this priest do? They're carrying some dumb little box. I'm sure that's what they were thinking. And all of a sudden, the priest step in the water, and the water level just starts going down and down and down and down. And I'm sure the first priest that stepped in and he saw the water level go, he's like, whoa, this is working. This is working. Because when you obey, it always works. It may not always look the way you think it should look, but it will always work. I promise you that. Alright. So again, rivers at flood stage. Okay, when, when God moves on your behalf, you have to recognize that it's a result of obedience. Amen. When I obey, God moves on my behalf. When I disobey, he still loves me, but life isn't going to be good. No. Why? Because God will allow you to be uncomfortable in order to get you to change. That's why he allows uncomfort in our life. So here's what happened. Okay. Verse 16, the water from the upstream stopped flowing, and it piled up in a great heap, uh, a distance away, um, in a town called Adam. We don't know anything about the, the town, but I bet I know where it came from. Yeah. All right, I bet I know where it started. In the vicinity of Zaratham while the water flowing down to the Sea of Ereba, or the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely crossed on dry ground. And smart people say it took probably two or three hours for about two million people to cross over into this into the Promised Land. Okay, on dry ground, on dry ground. That was the miracle. Again, at flood stage, it was no coincidence. Why? Because a shallow river would leave God no room to do a miracle. And people will take credit for themselves. That's what we tend to do. Verse 14 through 17, let's talk about this just for a moment. What God leads you to, he will lead you through. He will. He led them to the river and they didn't have to ford the river. God made the river stop. Why? When the priest obeyed. So as a leader, your decision makes a difference in the lives of other people. It really does. As a parent, your decisions impact your kids. They really do. They impact your grandkids. Another thing to know is that God's miracles don't always look the same. I want you to think about this, this perspective here, okay? Because the miracle wasn't immediate. It, it, as soon as he stepped in, the water went down, but it didn't cease, all right? You have 16 miles or so of water that still has to flow down, okay? Because it was dammed up at the city of Adam. So there was 16 miles of water that still had to flow down. And when you step in, you, always don't, you don't always see immediate results, the miracle took place, guys. The miracle was happening, but Adam is where it really started. And, and I'm sure the priests were going, okay, maybe one priest went, I thought it would just disappear. You ever have those I thought moments? I thought God would do this. I thought my marriage would be a little more fun than it is. I thought raising children would be a lot easier. <laughs> All right, because I was really good at telling you how to raise your children until I had my own. And I just realized this is hard. Right, I, I, the I thoughts. I don't know if the priests thought this, but, but they did see the water level begin to go down. But that would take a while. Miracles don't always happen immediately. The miracle took place, but it didn't always happen. And I want you to think about the perspective. Same miracle we're talking about. The people in the city of Adam, okay, when the miracle happened, because they were way up there. They couldn't see the Israelites. When, when they saw the water begin to be dammed up with no visible dam, you can imagine what they said. Like, whoa. Yeah. Right? And they, they were looking at it going... What is happening here? That is crazy. The people in Jericho saw the water go down. What happened years later if there was talking? Man, remember you see when God, the God of Israel did that miracle? Man, the water just dropped. And the people from Adam are going, no, it, it piled up. No, man, it dropped. No, No, it piled up. Same miracle, different perspective. And in our lives, we like to have our own idea of how God should do things or how God did things. God can do a miracle and it can look completely different than somebody else's miracle, but it's a miracle of God nonetheless. And some of you have your expectations set a little bit too high. Okay. You think God's going to do a lot of stuff for you and it may not happen the way that God wants it to happen. And he does it for our good, but the miracle was not immediate. And we need to learn that. So back to verse two, there's this three day period. Okay. They were supposed to go. And then there was like a three day period. Why is this? Why, why was there a three day period? My thought was progress takes preparation. There was three days that the Israelites were getting ready to prepare and prepare, sorry, prepping to get through the promise. There was a job to do. There was something that they had to get ready. Uh, it says that they were armed. Okay, There was preparation to get through. Sometimes God gives you three days just to rest to get ready for what's coming. I've told you this before. It's worth saying again that God prepares you for what's next by what you're going through now. And that may be the very reason you're here today, with that one statement. Okay, you might forget everything else that I said, but that might be the one thing that you need to hear today. God prepares you for what's next by what you're going through now. My title, again, I've never been here before. I've never been here before. So there's strength found in the struggle. You may have heard the story about the little boy who found a caterpillar. Anybody find caterpillars as kids? Can like, you put them in a jar? Like and you put them, put a stick in there and it's like they turn into a butterfly and I killed more than my share of caterpillars probably because there was no air or whatever but, uh, but I had some develop and this little boy found a caterpillar and he got the mason jar and put a stick in it and for a day he just watched it crawl around and he wakes up and the next morning and sure enough it's hanging on the little stick just like he had heard and there's a cocoon and he's watching it so he watches it for a couple days and finally after a period of time he sees it wiggling, he sees it moving and he's pretty excited because he knows what's going to happen. He's like, this butterfly is going to come out. And what's it going to be like? What color is it? I don't know. It's going to be really cool. And he sees it struggling, and he, he's like, you know, that thing's having a hard time getting out. So he goes, and he gets two wooden toothpicks, and he opens the lid, and he starts to, to help the butterfly. He starts opening up with the toothpicks, and, and, and the butterfly finally comes out and falls to the glass jar, but it never flies. What the little boy didn't realize was that the struggle was needed to gain strength. The struggle was needed to get wings, the strength. And here's what some of us try to do. We try or we ask God to remove the struggle. We ask God to help us out a little too much because we want it to be easy. But God's like, I, I need you to struggle to get some strength. And it doesn't mean every struggle you should have to go through and go, okay, well, this has to be God. Sometimes we create our own struggle by bad decisions, right? We do. We do. Okay, you might have a struggle in marriage with us cuz you said something stupid. Instead of complimenting her, you said what you shouldn't have said. Right? Does this make me look whatever? Yes, yeah, sure does. Okay, don't don't say that. Right? The proper response from him is you look beautiful regardless of the question. Right, ladies? Cuz you're really not asking for our opinion. That's not See men, we're like, "Does this make me look ugly?" Oh yeah, bro, change that shirt. Okay? And we're good with that as men because we want to direct Answer. Women don't want a direct answer, right, ladies? You just want to be told you're pretty, and yeah, it looks great on you. And then five outfits later, it still looks great on you, babe. Uh, That's a different story for a different time. Um, God prepares us, and God is not going to allow us to take shortcuts at times, guys, because he wants us to get strong. So I don't know what you're facing today, but I will tell you this. God is with you. Some of you need me to tell you that because you don't have enough faith for your own situation. But I'm going to tell you, you're serving God. Jesus loves you more than you know. You continue to do what's right. You continue to seek him. If you don't have clear direction, you just continue to be obedient. God will open doors and he doesn't always give you the navigational. Okay, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is where you're going to. No, he just says this is where we're going to end up. But there's a lot of mystery in between. And Wednesday night in our Bible study, we talked about the silence between when God told Noah, build an ark, he said, I'm going to send a flood, I'm going to wipe out mankind. And if you enjoy verse by verse, that's what we do Wednesdays, and we go into Genesis, and it's a great study. And, 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 God, and Noah said, okay, he started building an ark, and then 120 years later, God tells Noah, okay, it's time to get in the ark. And my question on Wednesday night was, what happened in between? What happened in the silence? The Bible tells us nothing about what happened from the command to build an ark to when Noah was supposed to get in the ark. I'm like, 120 years, I want to know what happened. I want to know about the whining and the complaining and Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the three sons who were like, Dad, we really have to work on this? It's been 50 years. (laughs) Well, we still, come on, a flood's coming, 75 years into it. I mean, I can imagine them going, what are we doing? But the Bible is silent. So my question was, is, is what do you do when God is silent? What Noah did, you just keep building. You just keep building. You just keep doing something productive. You just keep going. Why? Because God doesn't always give you a day-to-day. We know we're so used to stinking updates. We get updates on everything. Give me an update. Give me an update. Get an update. Give me an update. Get an update. Um, Yeah, I better not say that. Um, (laughs) It has to do with, I call her Maxine. Maxine, the vaccine I was like, I don't want another update on that. I'm like, I just told you what I wasn't going to tell you. I just see it all the time. It's like on my phone. I just want to listen to worship. And it's like, you can get it for you. Okay. And I'm like, I know, I know I can get it for you, but I just want to listen to worship right now. Okay. I just, I just want to worship Jesus right now. That's what I want to do. All kinds of things going on, all kinds of things pushed. I just, I just want to quiet my mind and I just want to focus on Jesus right now. Not the agendas of this world. And I say agendas because there's a lot of them. I just want to stay focused on Jesus, okay? I want to stay, and I'm I'm neutral. If you want it, take it. If not, don't. That's where I'm at. It's like, that's, you know, either way, it's fine. But God is bigger than what's going on in our world. He really is, and you got to understand that. God is doing things for you that you cannot see. Your job is to simply be obedient even when God is silent. And somebody needs to hear that today. You, you're like, I haven't heard God's voice. I don't know. Well, if you haven't heard God's voice, it probably means you're doing what he wants you to do. Because a lot of times people are like, I just want God to talk to me. And I'm like, yeah, he might talk to you about things that you don't want to talk about. Right? Speak to me, Lord. Are you sure? Uh, <laughs> you ever had a dad with a voice change? Like, Stan, um, this, this is good or bad, right? You can kind of tell. God has... Promise to speak to us every day through this. Yes. When you don't hear his voice, trust his word. Yes. Okay? It will guide you. It will lead you. It will tell you which way to go. It has a solution for every problem you're facing. Sometimes it's just be patient. I'm doing something. I'm setting things up. Our job, like Noah, was just to keep building, even when he didn't hear God's voice. Okay? At least we didn't know if he did or not in that time. I'm sure he did, but there was days that he probably didn't. Take the next step and keep on taking the next step. Okay, plan ahead, but don't think too far ahead because you can ruin today by thinking too far ahead. I know some people, they just live in fear. They live in fear of what's going to happen. That's no way to live, guys. Okay, be smart, all right? Wear your seatbelts, but just drive, okay? Do something with your life. Don't just hang back in fear. Remember, fear is what kept the Israelites originally wandering for 40 years. And that's no way to live. And I'm so proud of the the next generation that were like, no, we're going to take this land. And that's what they did. And they fought for it. And it was great. God has not and forgot about you. Amen. Well, I preached 10 minutes shorter than first service. Yeah. There you go. Amen. Uh, You were more receptive, probably more obedient. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to go home early? I'm cool with that. Well, here's what I need you to do though. All right. Did this help anybody today? I hope it helps some people. Um, If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to tell you guys, you're missing out. Okay. The Bible is very clear. There's a heaven and there's a hell. There's only two destinations. And when you die, you go to one or the other. The good news is that you can choose. When we choose to accept Jesus, we choose to accept what he did on the cross, okay? And I have three crosses up there. We leave that there because there was three crosses and there was three choices. If you know the story, there was two thieves that were crucified with Jesus. Jesus was in the middle of a thief on each side. And one of the thieves said, Jesus, in essence, I believe you are who you say you are. You're the Savior. And he said, we remember me. And Jesus said, you'll be with me today in paradise. But the other thief was just bitter. And he died without accepting Christ. And that thief would have went to hell. And the thief that repented would have went to heaven. And Jesus never asked him, well, tell me about your past. Tell me about the bad stuff. What did you steal? What did you do? Why are you? No, he he, he just said, you believe in me. You'll be with me. God didn't care about his past. He cared about his future. And God cares about your future. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, okay? I'm going to have everybody just bow your heads. This is just how we do it here. Just between me and you and the Lord. If you need to give your life to Jesus today if you want your sins forgiven and you want heaven to be your home when you die, I'm just gonna simply ask you, I don't, I'm gonna point you out, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but if you would raise your hand so I can see who you are, I, wanna, I do wanna pray with you. Is there anybody that needs to give their life to Christ today? Again, I'm not gonna take a long time. That's not my job. My job is to present it to you. Okay, all right, I see a hand. Is there any other ones? Okay, all right. And as we do almost every Sunday, let's pray this prayer together, okay, with the person that raised their hand. dear Jesus, I believe you died for me, and I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, come into my life, be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And we celebrate that decision. Amen. Like that. And again, all right. And if you need a Bible, uh, we have a little handbook. It's called a New Believer's Handbook. You're like, okay. I got saved, what do I do now? This, this book will help you, okay, know what the next steps are. Uh, but let us know if you made that decision today, amen? Well, hey, if you're good, if you learn something, you can go home, all right? We don't end, every, we don't end the same way every time. Just when you think I'm predictable, I change.